This is the FM Gold channel of All India Radio. In the program news analysis, now we bring a discussion on Indo-Sweden bilateral relations. The participants are Professor Umu Salma Bava from JNU and Simran Sodhi, journalist. King Carl XVI, Gustav and Queen Sylvia of Sweden arrived in the capital today. They are on a five-day visit to India. In the morning today, they also met the Prime Minister and the External Affairs Minister called on the royal couple. Professor Salma, when you see this visit of the royal couple from Sweden to India, and this is the Swedish King's third visit to India. They had first visited in 1993 and then 2005. How do you see this taking the India-Sweden relationship forward? I think it's a very important bilateral visit. Last year, the Prime Minister of India, Sri Modi ji, visited Sweden. And I see that in that connection, the next step, reciprocal visit, which is aimed at strengthening the bilateral relation. We have a very long-standing relationship with Sweden, which goes back to 1949 as far as the official part is concerned. And as far as trade goes, it goes back to even 1903. So I think in terms of the new development and changes which are happening globally as well, it's an important milestone because the Indian Prime Minister was in Sweden last year for the first Nordic Roundtable. So when we look at it, it is that component which is now being strengthened through the bilateral visit. There are three important elements. The political element is there, there's the economic element, and then there is the element of linking up where bilaterally on common global issues Sweden and India will stand together. Professor Salma, we also see that the Prime Minister and the Swedish King today inaugurated the India-Sweden high-level dialogue on innovation policy and the focus area is basically artificial intelligence, future mobility, digital health and circular economy. We also see that some top Swedish companies like IKEA, Tetra Pak and Ericsson are a part of the Swedish business delegation that is accompanying the royal couple on their visit to India. For our listeners, would you elaborate a little on this business aspect of the India-Sweden relationship and how this is a win-win situation for both the countries? I think the Innovation Summit which took place today, that is a focal point for both countries. Sweden is a small country and for India, which is a large country, when we think of the dimension of the population, we think of economic growth, the future will have to be for India and globally as well to innovate. How can we bring new products at different costs and key areas have been identified. One is health, for example. Providing healthcare in India in a much cheaper, time-effective way requires a different kind of thinking. Maybe technology would be an answer for that. For example, Ericsson is one of the oldest providers of switches to India a long time back ago. So today, through a mobile platform, you're able to even access a doctor, even in rural India. All it requires is connectivity. And then through maybe a drone, a small medical packet can be even dispatched. That means you don't need roads or you can overcome the challenge if roads are not there. These are the kind of things which requires a very different kind of thinking. And I'm sure the listeners will be also fascinated to know that Sweden excels in design, excels in technology. And the three companies we've spoken about are very three different kind of companies. Ericsson is into mobile and other technologies. IKEA is known for its bringing simplicity in Swedish design and IKEA has entered the Indian market so I'm sure there are some listeners who also have IKEA products either handed down or have bought new ones. So all of this also shows that it ties into our own make in India and Sweden has also contributed very effectively to the make in India for India because there are more than 200 Swedish companies which are also located in India and the companies that you named they are also part of this growth chain. 
Professor Salma, we also saw that today the agri-waste convert to biocoal. This pilot project was launched and this is a project which gives India the hope that maybe we can find a solution to the air pollution which we have been experiencing in Delhi and in various parts of North India. When you look at technologies like this and both the government of India and the Swedish firm are 50-50 partners in this. For our listeners, would you explain how this technology which is relatively new to a country like India can help India one strengthen our relationship with Sweden of course and two how it benefits India in tackling what is fast becoming one of our most serious problems the problem of air pollution you've correctly pointed out air pollution and more recently in Delhi we've all been subjected to that anything which is able to address the challenge of what urbanization produces as well and what rural India produces one of the big challenges is how do you deal with products which are being created and how do you convert something say agricultural waste as well into something which is more productive and useful and I think in that sense what you have indicated this partnership also shows to the interface between the private sector and government what we would call as a PPP model now what is the benefit of that model is that there is incentive and support coming from the government but technology very often is not available with the government and this is where the role of the private firms becomes extremely important and it is a very welcome development that the Swedish firm has entered in with the technology and what this will do will have a multi-dimensional impact it will also help and assist in transforming what is not usable anymore into a better alternative kind of system, whether we are going in from, traditionally we have also looked at how we can have uh, biofuels, looking at agricultural waste and converting it. So I think we would need a lot of steps like these and probably Sweden can help in that direction, addressing some of these challenges in the kind of technology that they can bring to us in India. Professor Salma, we also see that according to a report in Computer Sweden, Sweden will have a supply gap of 60,000 engineers by 2020. And that is giving rise to the fact that India can provide this shortage because we have a lot of engineers, doctors with study here. And in 2018, we saw that 75% of the work visas in the IT sector in Sweden also came from India. How important do you think is this exchange that we have people from India's IT sector who go to Sweden, live there, work there? One, of course, is the people to people contact that is increasing and the second is the industrial concept that we have people from India who are contributing to the Swedish economy and vice versa. How do you see this entire thing playing out, this supply problem and then India stepping up to fill that gap, that vacuum? As you've correctly pointed out, the IT sector has great potential and it's a win-win situation, both for India and Sweden, given that they have a shortfall on their side and we don't have a problem on the supply side. The point is, how do you make both of these two sides come together? So it's important either between the business councils or either between the firms, it is identified what kind of IT specialization is required. And there are two ways of providing it. One is the offshore, that means the experts are located in India and are able to do the back office and uh, they do not actually go to Sweden but provide the business support from here. While some of the businesses can be addressed that way, there may be others which may require an on-site support. And the on-site support, I'm sure, can be provided as well by the Indians. What it also requires is also preparing the people to go and live 
in a different country. You have to be exposed to the culture, to the requirements. It can be a short-term project-based, maybe a couple of weeks at a project site, or it could be a long-term from a month to some years. So I think it's also important then to prepare people for what is the cultural milieu, how do you live. If we synergize both, if the business councils and chambers of commerce come together, this will benefit both sides greatly. Professor Salva, we also see that the bilateral trade stands at a turnover of USD $3.7 billion. That is going by 2018. Do you see the trade between India and Sweden? Would you say that this has to increase, especially given the context that we have also India and the EU, and we have trade discussions which are also simultaneously happening on that front. How does the India-Sweden thing play out simultaneously all in a parallel? There is a lot of room for growth and enhancement in the bilateral. trade trade is made up of various components on the commercial part of it i think swedish companies are also present in india they are manufacturing over here a company like ikea which is well known globally has been procuring even before it came to india has been procuring a lot from india and taking indian made products globally in that way so i think that is only a part of the story that we see we can now ask that how can given that we have our flagship make in india program how can sweden also manufacture more in india here and then that can also be globally taken sweden is part of the larger european union so you know it is also part of all the india eu discussions that level the trade uh, discussions to have a bilateral investment and trade agreement that however has not moved forward so maybe in due course of time because india is also looking at how some of these trade agreements work out maybe one may see a development but on the bilateral india sweden i think new avenues and areas should also be seen one of the issues which is also being addressed is of the circular economy and so how both of them maybe cooperate in third countries as well would also be a very important point do you feel brexit will somewhere play a part in india's individual relationship with sweden we see that brexit has kind of overtaken the news that is coming out of europe and that's been going on for the last few months and it's not likely to change in the next few months do you feel that this entire focus on brexit somewhere also makes individual countries shift their own bilateral relations you have to factor that in when you have a bilateral relationship with another country brexit is on a timetable where nobody knows where it's heading but it's already casting its long shadow both on europe and on other kinds of aspects of bilateral relations india's had a long standing relationship with britain and so britain is obviously looking at how it can redesign that part of the relationship with india but with britain leaving the european union individual countries will come into a lot of prominence so we should not forget that britain is part of the un security council and this is where sweden's role becomes extremely important it has supported india's seat as a permanent member of the un security council it has also supported india on its membership into the different nucleus groups it has also supported it on the nuclear suppliers group so that kind of individual support as you mentioned will become extremely important as britain starts making its way out of the european union Professor Salmer, we also see that the tourism industry is one focus area, and Indians have been of late regarded as one of the largest growing tourist group to visit Sweden. Do you feel that this is one avenue or one area which offers India and Sweden a new avenue to expand their relationship? We have people who want to visit Sweden. Sweden wants to host Indians. Do you feel that this is one area we can work on even more? Yes, I think tourism has been not so well developed. not many people are aware of the beauty and simplicity of the nordic countries the scandinavian countries 
and visit to Sweden in summer is absolutely amazing because you can't even imagine how clean the air is and how late the summer nights are. So I think a lot more can be done to expand bilateral tourism. I think it can also be linked to specific issues where culture is also becomes a medium along with this. India is slowly emerging in the health sector for medical tourism. This can also be promoted further. And maybe in this, if along with Sweden, the other Scandinavian countries, they come together to offer something like a Nordic experience. That would open up opportunities and maybe our uh, Hindi movie industry should look at having a film shot in, I don't know, Stockholm or somewhere in Sweden. That would definitely change the image of Sweden as a destination country for tourists. We also see that the Swedish king, during his visit here, he will be visiting the Jama Masjid, the Red Fort and the Gandhi Smriti. The royal couple will also be visiting Mumbai and Uttarakhand during their five-day visit to India. How do you see this visit and the way it's been planned? How do you see culturally people in India getting more used to a country like Sweden? And how do you see that playing out when he visits these places which showcase India's best culture? Mm-hmm. And maybe we can have the reverse some tourists coming from Sweden to see India's culture. I think the places you point out showcase both the best of old, what is in India, the civilizational part, and also what is the new part. The fact from Delhi, you're looking at Mumbai, the commercial hub of India. So I think it's also an attempt to show India in its diversity when you're looking at the three different places when you see what is on Their Majesty's agenda. At the same time, you're right. I think the Swedish people also need to be exposed to more contemporary India. It's not just the classical part, which is what has been there. And I think there is a lot of synergy which is possible, which can create a much more modern, newer understanding between India and Sweden. Professor Salman, if you were to point out three focus areas that India and Sweden need to focus on, work harder, so that this relationship can actually grow in the coming five years, ten years, which are the three focus areas you would say are like the top of the agenda and these are the areas where we can expect a lot of growth bilaterally? Three areas I would like to pick would be one is on environment and clean technology. Second is issue addressing common concerns of people on both sides. So innovation as a large thing, which can then have a multifarious effect, whether it's technology or what. And a third thing would also be on education, where both sides can come together. And the youth on both sides can be part of all of these issues. Parallel side would also be issues at global governance issues, addressing climate change issues, for example, and then also on addressing political concerns. We both are looking at the age of cybersecurity. What can India and Sweden then do together? This is it for today. We bring our discussion to an end. Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on Indo-Sweden bilateral relations. The participants were Professor Umu Salma Baba from JNU and Simran Sodhi, journalist. This program is produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.com. You can also follow us on the News on AIR app for updates. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com.